The sun is setting. The day is ending. The chill vibes are all around us. Chill. And it's time for the inward compulsion. Inward. Join us on a journey into the deepest corners of your mind. Deepest corner. We will sit back, relax, and wonder why the you can't stop focusing on how you feel. Feel. And what you think. Thinking. Light a candle, brothers and sisters. Get comfortable. And let's explore the inward compulsion. Compulsion. The habit is to go inwards. Either check how we feel, go back to that thought that we're constantly ruminating on. If you've got health anxiety, we're checking there. If you've got OCD, you know, checking if you're still scared of that thought or if that thought still makes you feel a certain way. And it's a catch-all because it's the inwards compulsion. You, you are doing the inwards compulsion. It's not the inward compulsion, it's disordered. Welcome to Disordered, episode 47, entitled The Inward Compulsion. I am Drew Linsalata, a therapist in training, specializing in anxiety and anxiety disorders in the great state of New York, in the US of A, and I am an author, a podcaster, and an educator in this community, also a former sufferer of anxiety and depression for a very long period in my life. And I'm Joshua Fletcher, also known as Anxiety Josh. I'm a psychotherapist who specializes in working with anxiety disorders and a previous sufferer and author of several books and one that is coming out soon and sponsoring this episode. It's called, And How Does That Make You Feel? And if you've ever wanted to know what your therapist is thinking, particularly your anxiety therapist and how I work with therapy, then this book is for you. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll inwardly compulse. <laughs> wow, that's a promise. Makes me want to run out and buy it right now. Well, inwardly compulse. What is the inward? You know what? Should we start with? Um, maybe we should start with an uh, I did it anyway because it has a lot to do with this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do an audio did it anyway because it's always nice to sort of celebrate the community before we start, and then we'll get into the inwards compulsion and in our cheesy like radio show role play. Here we go. Hi, Drew and Josh. I wanted to share my did it anyway. I've been struggling with OCD for the past ten years, and only the last two I've been in actual. ERP treatment. And today I was able to do the exposure, which was 10 out of 10 in my hierarchy. I am so, so proud. Today I decided I wanted to feel the most anxiety and that I wasn't going to do any coping, nothing to comfort me or make me feel less uncomfortable afterwards, including no listening to disordered in a compulsive way. <laughs> and actually, once I took it in. I did the exposure and it was super manageable. I'm feeling so, so happy and I, I'm taking 100% credit for it, but I wanted to thank you guys because of the content that you put out there and just wanted to say to anyone who's struggling, like a couple months ago, the exposure I did today would have freaked me out, but I just managed to find my way into a place where I'm comfortable doing it and that's amazing so like my biggest advice is don't mistake learning about it with actually practicing so as soon as you can start applying the principles start practicing and you're just going to get there it's amazing you're going to feel proud of yourself I, I swear it's a great feeling so thank you very much Aww. that was amazing that was so good it sounded like she was getting a little choked up and rightfully so Little, I was there. You did. You done the hard stuff. I love that. What was it? It's not just about learning. It's about practicing as well. Um, I think that's outstanding. Can we give her a soundtrack? We could totally have a soundtrack because this week it's all about 
the inward compulsion. Well done. Well done. You guys are going to hear so that, good. that little sound clip a lot this week, so don't hate us too much for it. We're just being self-indulgent morons this week. Uh, why does that have to do with the inward compulsion, I think? So the inward compulsion was something I was thinking about when I was walking to the office this morning, and it's something that unites a lot of anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it goes hand in hand with with the default thought. A lot of people say, well, what's the difference between me and, say, other people who don't get anxious or they don't have disordered anxiety? And their default thought, usually, you know, if we're talking about other people, their default thought's like, oh, I wonder what I'm having for dinner later, I wonder what's happening at work, I wonder when next time I'm going to see my friend. You know, very kind of everyday different thoughts, different themes. Mm. Uh, with people with disordered anxiety, um, they often can't, can't relate to this, or, or they can, or they've forgotten how to do it. And this is because of the inwards compulsion. And this is this thing where when our default thought, when we're not doing anything, when we're bored, when we're in between activities, when we're not busy and distracted, the habit can is to go inwards. It's yeah. to check, either check how we feel Go back to that thought that we're constantly ruminating on. If you've got health anxiety, we're checking there. If you've got OCD, you know, checking if you're still scared of that thought or if that thought still makes you feel a certain way. And it's a catch-all because it's the inwards compulsion. You, you are doing the inwards compulsion. And the reason why I've included the music today is that every time you catch yourself inwardsly compulsing, checking, scanning, ruminating, then imagine that music and horrify yourself. Just imagine the 80s synth, like, taking yeah, you out of exactly. any compulsion. Yeah. If you're sat next to a loved one, you're suddenly doing, like, invisible synth keys, mm. and they ask what you're doing. You just turn to them and go, I'm doing the inwards compulsion. This here. And, then it, and then we need to guide your attention away. The music must stop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You just carry, like, your 80s rototoms with you, so you could do that. One of the things I find super interesting about the inward compulsion is... When you say the default thought, there's there's actually a lot of neuroscience. We were talking about this before we hit the play, the record button. The, the neuroscience behind this, there's a thing that neuroscientists call the default mode network, DMN, which is shows up in a functional MRI. When you put people at rest into a functional MRI machine, there is a part of our brain that naturally lights up when we don't have any external simulation. And the default mode network essentially says, let me think about myself. That's oversimplification, but yes. Many people have a very active default mode network that says, if I have nothing better to take my attention, I will be the center of my attention. I will have thoughts about myself, how I feel, what I'm thinking, what I'm going to do, what problems do I have to solve? Like it's just a default. The reason why they call it the default mode is in the absence of nothing better to do, many brains, most brains, almost all brains to a certain degree will go into that mode. And there's also a whole lot of research that is starting to link different levels of activity in the default mode network to things like OCD, GAD, social anxiety. People who have a more active default network seem to be more prone to develop these disorders that we talk about, which makes sense. Because if Mm. I have a thought, I must treat it as incredibly important. And by default, I tend to spend a lot of time in my own head. Mm. And I think it has to do with, uh, you know, this person sent in her, did it anyway. And when triggered, the trigger isn't only physical sensations, but it's going to be thoughts and interpretations of those. And if you have a tendency to latch on to every thought you have because it's your thought, this is part of that. This, mm. is, this is definitely part of it. Or if you feel like, well, I hear you guys talk about, you know, letting the thoughts be there. 
how is that even possible? Like it seems impossible to even consider not doing that. I think that's the inward compulsion that we're talking about. Yeah. 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 And and also it's automatic. Yeah, it is for some people. Yep. It's like a it's like a it's the same kind of habit. When you've been anxious for so long or, or, or repeated a behavior mm-hmm. for so long, it will become automatic. Think about when you brush your teeth. You pretty much do it the same way, you do it automatically. When you drive a car. Mm-hmm. When I even shower the same way, like the same way, and there's so many things that I do automatically because it saves my brain. My brain thinks, well, this will save you energy for later. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can do these things on autopilot, you know, I've, I've driven like hundreds of miles and just listened to a book, and I don't even remember kind of driving because mm-hmm. it's so automatic. Um, but what happens is sometimes the inwards compulsion can become as automatic as you know the same way you get dressed in the morning it becomes so that and what the job is we need to do particularly for someone who goes inwards and ruminates stuff is to catch it Mm -hmm. and change it yeah you know and it became a default automatic habit because you kept doing it over and over and over again and if every time you do something over and over and over again you strengthen that neuro pathway and then it becomes easier because that's the easiest way for those neurons to fire through your brain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're at work and you go on your dinner break and the easiest neuro pathway at that time with your brain's associations with what you do is, oh, well, I'll check how I feel. Oh, yeah, I feel tense and anxious. Oh, I don't like it. Oh, I wonder what's going on. Oh, why am I anxious? Yeah. Why am I derealized? And you spend your whole dinner break doing that. That's actually habit. That was that inwards compulsion as a habit. And so you catch it and you play the cheesy 80s music and you go, no, I must replace this with something different here. (laughs) That's your clue right there. It always is. (laughs) I love that, (laughs) too. That's a tough one, though, because I think the automatic part is your brain will automatically create like, okay, I got nothing to do. I'm just eating my dinner. So let me kick in default mode network lights up. So you can't stop the default mode network from lighting up. That's not a thing that you can just decide to turn off. But I think what develops the habit is it's the response to that, you know, so mm-hmm. that you get into that metacognitive theory that says, well, you've developed a belief that I must respond to that. When I have these thoughts, the right thing to do is to like start an internal dialogue with myself, you know, and then it becomes either, either a belief that you could tell Josh and I, yeah, I really think that I need to pay attention to my thoughts. And then the habit is that procedural metacognitive belief that you don't not even not even aware of. You just build the habit of automatically going into an internal dialogue with yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's seamlessly. You don't even yeah, know I, you're doing it. I'm yeah, doing it I've again. done it, 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 it. Half the work is understanding where the problem is. Yep. A lot of people with disorder anxiety don't realize they're doing this compulsion. You know, ruminating is misinterpreted as just thinking, right. reflecting. Right. No, it's misinterpreted as problem solving, and it's not. You're doing the inwards compulsion. People with health anxiety, it's like, actually, you know, I've been quite distracted today. I've been out with the kids. I've been out with my friends. Suddenly I have a moment to myself or a moment during a conversation in a group and I'm not directly involved. Bang. Yeah, I'll just there check, it is. I'll just check myself. And then just there check it my is. body. You've gone inwards. <laughs> Every time Josh goes inwards, I'm going to play that music for him. I'm going to follow him around. But it's so, it's would be so hard to catch it. You know, like we're making a joke with the silly 80s music, but it's really hard to, to gain an understanding that like, oh, I'm doing that again. And I think for people in the community that we serve that are listening to this podcast, 
the realization that you're doing it comes when you find yourself in that agitated, activated, anxious, disturbed state. Oh, wait a minute. That's the clue that says, oh, I'm doing the inward compulsion again. I'm having thoughts, which is fine, but then I'm following them and I'm conversing with them and I'm inviting them in for tea and I'm doing all the things. Mm. This is really tricky stuff, I think. It's tricky and it's a skill to get used to. Because a lot of people, and everyone, I did this for years, and it's just that you think to the natural response when you don't like something is to give it your attention to solve it, mm. fight it or solve it. And you need, it's almost like you've got to press slow down and be like, let's see what happened there in that moment where I was feeling fine and I suddenly felt anxious and I stayed anxious for the next few hours, the whole night, mm. whatever. Mm. What happened? Let's slow it down. So you're watching it in slow-mo. So you're eating your bologna sandwich and you put it down. You've just finished. And you sit back in slow motion and you look outside and then bang, what does my brain usually do here? What's the habit? What have, what have I been doing for so long that's doing this? Ah, there we go. Mm. I'm going inwards. So rather than looking outside going, oh, I wonder how many cars I can see that are yellow. Not that you would do that. You might do. It's, or I wonder what I can do to plan my cousin's birthday mm. that's coming up. Or I wonder what's on TV or just even being mindful, like, oh, I wonder, you know, those trees are looking nice. I can't wait for spring to come. Basically, a gazillion thoughts. Nope. That's the time through habit, through association, mm. when we are not distracted or when we're doing that, we go inwards. You are inwardly compulsing. And I would also just question here as well, if you're someone who's anxious all day, mm -hmm. and we've done an episode on this, being anxious all day, this will be a complete montage from morning to evening of inwards compulsions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because the inward, the compulsion is probably in the, and, I, and it, this is so interesting because I think it changes over time. If I look at back when I was a really anxious person, my thoughts were generally, if I could recognize that default mode network, it would go into thoughts about me. Now, the default mode network isn't necessarily thoughts about me and how I feel. It's your internal conversation. So the default mode network might be thinking about dinner and things of that nature, but an anxious person latches onto thoughts about themselves. How am I feeling? How's my body? What symptoms do I have? Blah, blah, blah. And those become the most important thoughts. So I would, I'd be able to look at the window and look at the trees but that's not an important thought. The important thought is, am I having skipped heartbeats right now? When is the last time I had one of those? Like, my, when, when do you think mm. that might happen? And then the compulsion is, I better keep having this conversation. I got to keep mm. pulling it, pulling it, pulling it, pulling it. Yeah. And it's always that thought. Um, and this can happen, really importantly, this can happen when you're not anxious. Like so, people think yes, you're more inclined to do compulsions when you're when you're anxious, but also habit, yeah, and just sheer time of the day. And I used to have this. I was just sitting, listening to a podcast, driving my car. Podcast finishes, and I'll be like, I wonder how I feel at the moment. I don't mean like reflecting on how I feel about everyday life. You know that in was like, I wonder if there's any scary symptoms or emotions or feelings that I can latch on to or scan to see if I'm okay. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And it's almost, it's almost that, isn't it? Scanning to see if you're okay. 
or if you're part of the OCD crowd, it's, I wonder what the status of my feelings are with this certain thought right now. Yeah. So you might have relationship OCD and be like, oh, I wonder if, you know, do I still love my partner? Did I make the right choice? You know, you might have harm OCD, like, oh, am I feeling angry? You might have the fear of going crazy. Like, oh, I wonder, oh, I'm feeling a bit more energetic than I did yesterday. Am I developing something? And it's that inwards compulsion. It's like that, you know, that didn't need to happen, but will because of habit, because of what we've done. And so like Drew said before, it's what you do in response to that. It's not, don't beat yourself up and get Craig the Critic involved. Like, oh, look, you're doing the inwards compulsion again. No, no, it's what you do afterwards. Yeah, I think because people confuse that and they somehow think, oh, what I'm supposed to do is not have those thoughts. How can I, how do we learn to not think that? Well, you can't. You can't learn to not think that. You can learn to react and relate in a different way to those thoughts when you realize you're having them. So I'll give you a little example for me, like, um, you know, without going too much into it, I, you know, this week has been tough for me. I'm going through some loss in my family. And I had a thought the other night that was, that's copper in the background, guys, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I had a thought that was disturbing. It was not a nice, it was a very unpleasant thought about the person that I lost. But only through a lot of practice over the years, including through my recovery, was I able to recognize, yeah, that's a, I don't like this thought. But I can just let it be and let me see what happens with it. And, you know, it kind of hung around for a little while. And, of course, I, some emotions came up and that's fine. But And then it, it worked its way through. That is the new reaction to a disturbing thought. Now, if I go back to the days when I was really struggling, I'm done. That thought pins me down and I'm in conversation with it all night long, trying to find a solution to it, trying to fix how I feel about it, trying to make it go away. That's the difference. But it's a skill that I had to work on for a very long time. And it's now serving me well, even in recovery. I, I can have that thought and then the emotions that come with it. I, I'm not a robot. But I, I could recognize the inward compulsion. Oh, wait, I don't have to, I don't have, to have a whole conversation with this thought. Yeah, yeah I don't really like this thought. I don't, it's, uh, but like, I don't have to engage with it so much. Because uh, your metacognitive awareness over time and through recovery is I it's good. You can, you can see it really much. For the rest of your life as well. As Absolutely. Talk about anxiety yeah. like, I'll always see that now. And you probably still have the doubt. 100%. But yeah. you still, you can see what the doubt for what it is. Yeah, 100%. But I think it's important to illustrate that. Not like, oh, look, I'm so good at this. But like, it, it isn't that I can prevent a thought or a feeling. It's that I can just relate to it differently. Because my brain's going to make thoughts and feelings like every brain does. There's, I can't stop it from doing that. So just don't hear us saying that you're supposed to shut down scary thoughts or shut down scanning. We should talk about scanning. The people like their default inward compulsion is, how am I feeling? How am I feeling? How am I feeling? How am I, how oh, am I that was me, 100%. Yeah. How do I stop doing that? Well, you don't. But what you do is you start taking the scan results and, you know, my own podcast, I talked about this over the past summer, throw them away. When your brain hand rushes in like, a, like an overzealous, like rookie first-year physician, look, we did another test. Here's your test results. You have to take those results and say, okay, cool, crumple them up and throw them on the floor. <gasps> And like, what? Your brain would be like, what are you doing? You need this. Really? Yeah. It's interesting. I, I'm more like, I remember when I was initially struggling with panic disorder and stuff mm. like that, health anxiety, and the scanning used to come with that, and the inwards compulsion used to come with that. And it was like, I th there was just a, a stage where I was just like, I don't want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop scanning. And if I catch myself scanning, I'm like, nope, attention's going away to anything. I'm not, I'll yeah. always catch yourself halfway through. And I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not seeing this through. Yes. You know, I catch myself. You can't stop right. the initial scan. 
But halfway through, we're like, nah, I'm not bothering. Not I'm, doing I, this. I just, no, no. And, and each time I did that, I created a new neural pathway away. Started yeah. to strengthen this. This like, ah, I'm, I'm stopping this habit in its tracks and I'm going off to something else. I didn't replace it with a new compulsion. Mm -hmm. I replaced it with a, look, I'm strengthening that attention muscle to come away from the scanning inwards compulsion. I think we can almost look at the inward compulsion as a thing that every human being, regardless of your mental health status, probably has to a certain extent. We think, that's what we were thinking machines. And all this neuroscience that shows that lighting up, yeah, it sort of confirms that. And what we're talking about here is not so much like clamping down and shutting down, but like bringing it back to a normal place in your life. And so one person, we were talking about this too before we hit record. I probably have a much less active throughout my entire life in you know default mode network. I don't have an internal dialogue with myself all day long. This is a hugely contested thing. Like people like, do you have the inner voice? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't talk to myself all day long with other people be like, are you kidding? That's all I do all day long by default. So we're all a little different, but it doesn't cause them any distress. It's not a problem for them. I don't know if I have the inner voice. If you think about that, I've been in these discussions where it's both sides are represented. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't have an inner voice all day long. And they're like, no, you're lying. That can't be. And I'm like, what, well, tell me what, what is it is. It like you can hear your thoughts or? Thank you. So you, if you don't understand what it is, you might also be one of those people that doesn't really have, you're having thoughts and you don't engage with them. You don't have an inner dialogue, whereas other people have inner dialogue all day long with themselves, but it's not a problem. It doesn't no. cause them distress of any kind. It's just the way they are, and that's fine. So we're talking, if, even if you are that person, you could bring that inner dialogue back to like it's normal or it's rightful place in your life where maybe it serves a purpose or it entertains you or whatever. It just takes up time. It's fine. It doesn't yeah. cause you well, a problem. I, I, I often have conversations to myself, usually in the shower. Okay. Yeah, and arguments. They're quite funny. <laughs> are the arguments with other people? But I in don't the actually hear. Yeah, I'm yeah. Just, just like, yeah. I don't, well, maybe that is. Maybe I'm vocalizing the thought. I don't know. It's just how you interpret it, probably. Right. But I think, you know, the, that internal, or, or maybe it goes from being a compulsion to just a thing that your brain does that does not create a problem in your life. Yeah. If you have a very active brain and a lot very active internal diet, okay, cool. If it's not causing you a problem, then it's fine. You don't have to learn to turn that off. It's just mm. bringing it back, re restoring like the regular relationship with that, as opposed to the disordered relationship with that. Oh, I see. Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm no, babbling no, it does make bit. sense. It does make sense. It's yeah. food, food for thought. Yeah. Food for thought. Did you ever have, what was your main inwards compulsion? Oh, my, you know, it shifted over time. My main inward compulsion would go from. Top five. Top, top five. top five on the inwards compulsion. Top five. I can't get a deep <laughs> enough breath. Um, my, is my heart going to stop? Those were my top two in terms of physical. Then the other top five in the hit parade were one day, everyone, me and everyone I love and care about will be dead. Not just me, everyone I know and love will be dead. That one was a big one that would kick off that internal compulsion. That's a jolly thought. Oh, dude, I can't even tell you that one would <laughs> haunt me all day long. It was rough. Then I'm going to die. And then is this orange juice been poisoned? It was oh, I it poisoned? like an episode of the Inwards Compulsion. Oh, it is 100%. Like, you Maverick know what, dude? Cops. This song <laughs> was like, this was my brain all day long. <laughs> One day, everyone I love will die. Yes. Thanks, Drew. And I, Thanks. Would, I can't yeah. wait to go home and, uh, and, I would get and hug my loved ones. So that, <laughs> those thoughts would be created in my brain, and the Inward Compulsion was I would immediately begin to respond to them and have conversations with them and argue with them and reason them. And f Why am I having this thought? And oh, my goodness, it was exhausting. Yeah, I've, with grief as well. Like, you know, I've, I've literally seen loved ones die, mm. but it's nothing to do with disordered anxiety. Right. 
it's separate things. Like I can reflect on life and death and stuff, but I ain't going to do it compulsively to shortcut my fear of things. I'll do it when I'm off the hamster wheel. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's scary and stuff, but sometimes you can, t for me, I can kind of tell when it's like a, an anxious, like anxiety, disordered anxiety, trying to pull me in to have a fight that I'll never win. Yep. Uh, but sometimes when I'm not anxious, I'll sit there or, or, or conventionally anxious and just be like, yeah, it's pretty scary, you know, but I'm not, you know, I, I am scared, but I know that there's nothing I can do. And and my body knows this as well in my brain, and I can still come back to a state of homeostasis. Yeah. I'm not going to get pulled in, particularly if you've got existential OCD as well, which is the horrible one where they just, just pulls you in. Like, let's think about all the cool subjects about that you can, that you don't have answers for. Mm -hmm. Like, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I'm able to kind of recognize now. I know what that, that's the kind of anxious trigger that's like, no, you can, you can hit me with some anxiety, but you're not having my attention for the next four hours. No, thank you. Yeah, I think I learned that mostly for me, it was people would say, well, I, you know, I'm trying to like, I've heard people say, I don't want to be blindsided. I want to try and predict everything. For me, I found that I was just trying to answer unanswerable questions. And I'm like, if I, so now I know, like when that thought pops into my head the other night, it's like, well, there's nothing, I cannot find a solution to this situation. This is reality. This is what's going on. There's nothing I can do. No amount of thinking will, will change this reality. And it's a disturbing reality and unpleasant reality. So there's nothing I could do. I, I can't solve this, I can't solve this problem or answer this question. It's not even a question, but my brain wants it to be. And so like, I'm just going to have to let it trigger some emotions in me and let them happen, I guess. Does that make sense? I'm laughing because I'm laughing because it sounds like your thought process behind trying to buy jeans in a clothes shop. Oh, dude, <laughs> oh, the, the, that would include that would that would indicate that there was a thought process when I buy clothes. <laughs> You're no, overestimating. Just go me. really deep and existential. Like, <laughs> but what is this? What, what does is it this? matter? It doesn't matter. This is an unanswerable question. This is an unanswerable but question. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's always answerable for me. I'm going to look like crap no matter what I buy. So, like, it's easy. That's easy for me. You're you know. very handsome. It's okay. Yeah, I get it. But uh, no, I think in the end, it's um, it was for me the unanswer. I'm okay. Let's let's try and find an answer to an unanswerable question. Like, well, it's not answerable. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. And and it, when you're anxious or obsessive and compulsive, the threat response wants to find the hidden yeah. and the unknown because it was great for our ancestors, wasn't it? Yes. What's hiding behind that that tree? What's coming out of that cave? Who's hiding behind the hill to attack mm. my tribe? So I need to kind of speculate because that's part of my human brain. If I speculate on what could be lying in the hidden, then that gives me the advantage because I can potentially be one step ahead. But when you're sat in Walmart that's and having thoughts about yeah. What does it mean to be conscious and blah, blah, blah? Or what if uh, this health thing's out? What if this stomach pain means something else? What if I don't want to be with my partner? What if I know my boss fires me? What? If... There's no point mm. to that because there's no advantage to us. And, and, and so that old prehistoric threat response, the amygdala is like trying to be helpful, but in the modern subjective terms, that's when we can go inwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I think then there's the compulsion about the compulsion too, because one thing that I'm thinking about now, I know I'm sharing a lot of my own personal experience, and I don't mean to dictate what I do is what you should do. But one thing that just popped into my head is the compulsion about the compulsion, because when I did have that thought that popped in, I was less concerned about the thought itself because of all the work that I've done on that. 
But there was some of that old, those old neuropathways are still there from back in the days that I struggled. They don't disappear. You don't erase them. They just mm. become the lower preference path. But they're yeah. still there. Because you know what I was most concerned about? Not being sad and upset like I was over the thought. What I was most concerned about is, oh, shit, what if I get stuck on this? Oh, I hear this from the, oh, yeah. It was yeah. so meta in a way. Like, so like, listen, I don't know anybody more recovered than me. And I had that thought for uh, 30 seconds or a minute. Oh, shit. I had that thought. Uh, yeah, I'm disturbed by it. I can let it go. But what if I get stuck on this tonight? But it's just the way it grabs your attention, isn't yes, it? Yes, 100%. Yeah, it's the same with like, we get so many questions about sleep anxiety. What if I never sleep again? Yep. What if I, What if I get stuck on this? And it's an iteration of what if it, this gets to the point where I can't cope. Correct. Remember that any listeners, what if this gets to the point where I can't cope? Yeah. And all these thoughts and what ifs are iterations of that just dressed up differently. Correct. Uh, you know, uh, so oh, what if I never sleep again? It's just the same as what if this gets to the point where I can't cope? Uh, what if I get stuck on this thought? It's just the same as what if this gets to the point where I can't cope? Uh, I work with people with OCD who have like words that just go round and round their head. Mm -hmm. Or what if, what if I, I, this this vo this word never leaves my head and and it gets to the point where I can't cope? Right. They're all iterations of the same what if. And my only response is that I will cope and I've coped with everything and this ain't going to be the thing that's going to throw me off. Because in the end, that's the way I had to answer that. Well, what if I get stuck? Because the the context was I'm exhausted. You know, there's been a lot going on. And like, uh, you know, I'm just tired. I'm just, I'm sagging mentally, emotionally, physically. Oh no. What if I get stuck on this? And now I'm up all night and I'm already like running to the ground a little bit. And my answer to that was like, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to have to let it ride and see what happens here. You could also like assure yourself that your brain is incredibly neuroplastic and you can't really get stuck on anything because you can rewire your brain. Yeah. I mean, so that's, for, so that's always assuring. That's true. I mean, well, you know what? It's baked into that now for me at that point. So yes, you, that assurance you, you is went, there. You went high, you know, guns blazing stoic. In know, a way. I well, on care. the thought itself, the content yeah. of the thought, I did use like yeah. my worldview for sure. But the, the compulsion about the compulsion, now what if I get stuck on the thought? Now, that's not the content of the thought. That's just what if I get stuck on a thought was... Well, I guess if I get stuck on it, I won't sleep tonight, and I don't guess I'll handle it. Whatever happens, I'm going to have to let it ride. Let's see what happens. You're going to let it ride? Let it ride. I was going to have to let it ride. I'll deal with whatever comes up, I guess. And that was the, that was the best answer I could have given it. But it was a compulsion about the compulsion, the inward compulsion about the inward compulsion. Yeah, it's it's anything to grab your attention, though. Yeah. They're all the same thing. They're all iterations of the same thing. Uh, there's not wh whatever you're inward, inwardsly compulsing about. It's always it's just to grab your attention, to, to bring your attention to the uncertainty. The content will be imaginative, unique to you. And you'll often get the thought, but I wonder if anyone's had this thought. What if this is the thing that traps me? Mm. Nah. No, nah, you'll always be able to get out of it. Yeah. But anyway, we, we really um, hope that you got something out of um, this, if it resonates with you. It's certainly something that resonated with me a lot. Uh, and it was a habit that took me a while to get out of, and but it took a lot of compassion. Don't be you know, harsh on yourself to get out of that uh, inwards compulsion. Mm. And, and you'll find that you know, the better you get at it, the calmer you will be in the long term. Um, but yeah, yeah. uh, we're and I at think, the stage uh, of the, sh oh, sorry. I would add one more thing though, just to, you know, a bit of a validation. 
the fact that you have an inward habit or an inward thing doesn't, that's not what indicates that there's a problem because no. every human being has that, right? And your task is not this daunting task to turn yourself into a non-thinking robot. Don't worry about it. Like, it's just the, oh yeah. Yeah. The, the, think of the thoughts as a river. Every, every one of us has that river flowing. You're just drowning in it a little bit now and you're, you're going to learn to crawl out of it and sit nicely and enjoy that river and dip in when you want to and take a swim and then take a drink and then sit on the side. That's what you're learning to do. It's okay. You're not broken. Mm. Yeah. So important. Should we do uh go to our more did it anyways questions? Yeah, I've got a did it anyway. We can read out. Uh, here's one that sent in at the beginning of January. Um, Hey, Drew and Josh, you can use my name. Okay, thanks, Jessica. Although I usually go by Royal Jest Jester on social media, and it personally cracks me up. <laughs> Fair enough. Got to laugh at yourself. Uh, Drew and I do all the time. Not to be cliche, but love the podcast. Hey, being kind is not cliche. Your personal insights and experiences provide such relatable and hopeful perspective. Thank you. Um, I haven't did it anyway. I'm a flight attendant with bad generalized anxiety disorder. What a hilarious job to have while suffering from GAD. My job is always subject to change, and I commute from airport to airport, so I have the added stress of catching flights before working my flights. Last night, I could not sleep before my very early trip. I had to be up at 3.30 a.m., and at midnight, I was stressing, heart-pounding, shaky, wired, etc. You know the drill. I was so tempted to drop, to drop the trip or call off, like very tempted. My anxiety was so bad that once my alarm went off, I almost threw, threw up. Although throughout get my getting ready process, I was heavily entertaining calling off the trip because of my anxiety. I put on your podcast. As I listened to your personal triumphs, I kept telling myself, take the anxiety with you. You then played a did it anyway. Heading the success story from another person working through it settled my very competitive resolve. It was so inspirational. I'm now on my commuting flight to my base where I'll work, where I will work my trip and I am doing it anyway. That was a yell. <laughs> Thank you for what you do. It is making a difference. Now I'm determined to look for people on today's trip who may be struggling and try to take the focus off myself. Thank you again so very much. That's from Jessica. Oh, good job, Jess. Love it. Love it. I, I like that as well. I, I'm using that experience to help others as well. Because you get every flight has very anxious flyers. Um, you'd be the perfect person to help, you know, like, oh, you know, we get it. And I, I know what it feels like, you know, you, you, you're all right here. So well done. That's lovely. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Should we do um, questions? We got any questions? Uh, yeah, I've got a good one here. Um, something we've not covered before, but it's a really good one. It may resonate with, with people. Mm -hmm. um, Hey guys, me again. I have a question that I don't think has been answered that is probably widely applicable. I'm religious and tend to pray when I'm anxious, but it occurred to me that the very prayers I pray may drive my anxious tendencies. Sometimes while in prayer, it feels like it turns to rumination. Then when prayers go unanswered, it seems to be a cue for anxious thoughts. I'm trying to find the balance between my OCD and GAD while also not abandoning my faith as an avoidance behavior. Is this common amongst anxious people who are religious? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I kind of think it is a little bit. I, where, the listen, the faith is a strength. If you have a strong faith, that's fine. You can use it. I'm, I'm a fan of that. 
but sometimes I do hear people feel like they get stuck in it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's actually, I, I've worked a lot with people with OCD and who are of faith. Mm -hmm. um, and, and part of the, of what we need to do there is unpick what is a compulsion uh, and what is actually what non-anxious me would do in terms of, or anxious people pray and that's okay. Sure. But when you know it's an offshoot of disordered anxiety, particularly obsess obsessive and compulsive, mm -hmm. suddenly prayer can become compulsive. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a difference between praying because you're worried about something mm -hmm. and doing it in a way where, you know, you're sharing it, you're asking for strength, you're asking for whatever it is you use prayer for. Yeah. But what you've got to watch out for is if you're using prayer to shortcut fear of fear and OCD style anxiety, that can become quite compulsive. Yeah. And on the flip side, you asked, but if I abandon my faith, it's avoidance behavior. No, you don't need to abandon your faith. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Um, I would always address people is just to work on the relationship you have with uh, elements of your faith. So, you know, if you are going to pray, pray at a time that is not involved with you being on the OCD hamster wheel. Yeah. Because it just gets enmeshed within it. Within it. I heard that. Whereas, uh, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, I was stepping on you. But, um, no, you can step on me all you want. Oh, ooh, that's hot. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think the, uh, I heard really good advice from, I know I can't think of her name now. I'm so sorry on Instagram. She is a, uh, she's a pastor and she's also an OCD therapist. And it, I saw her talking about the, that relationship between prayer and compulsion and, one good bit of advice was definitely not abandon the faith or abandon your prayer. Can you tell the difference between what your prayers look like now and what they look like when you're not triggered or anxious or what they used to look like before you developed this problem? That's a good thing to try to connect to. Like you would pray for assistance or for strength or whatever, or, or inspiration. That's fine. But you didn't keep going. You knew when the prayers were over. And sometimes the mm. anxious people don't know when it's over and they feel like they have to keep going. Let me go back to it again. And if you're, if the frequency of the, of your praying has, is increasing, if the duration of your prayer sessions are increasing, she, and I thought that was great advice. Like those are the things you can maybe work on. You don't have to stop praying and abandon your faith. Just know when you're prolonging it or you're doing it very often, or you're doing it because you're triggered and you instantly respond with prayers. Yeah. yeah. I, I could one, I remember it's coming back to me now. Um, someone shared with me like their prayer and they had OCD and their prayer was dear God, etc. Yeah. Um, please help me to give me the strength and the courage to lean into uncertainty to help me cool. fight my fear of fear yeah. and to help me and to guide me through to the other side whilst I lean into uncertainty. I thought, Oh, oh I love that. That's a really good prayer. You know what that is? That's um, that's like <laughs> yeah. a, a positive self-talk that people say, well, you always say positive self-talk. Don't do it. No, no, no. Like positive self-talk that frames and informs your next action is great. And that's faith-based positive self-talk. I freaking love that. Yeah. And it's really, I I'm, can't be uh, any more passionate than recovery requires you getting the credit as yeah. well. Yeah. And this even applies to this sometimes mm -hmm. because yes, we can thank people on the way to helping them. So whether it's your therapist, whether it's us guys, mm -hmm. whether it's when you've been and praying and, 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 and using faith, that's great. And they could all be aids to help you, but ultimately you've got to get the credit so the brain can know that, ah, yes, it is me that can tolerate this uncertainty. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good. That was a great question. I'm glad the person brought mm -hmm. that up. Um, and sometimes it gets a little dicey too because I know what I've, I've I've said that sort of thing before, and I, we're not trying to like invalidate somebody's faith because I've heard people then respond with this whole other discussion. We'll have another episode, but no, 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 no. I want my higher power or my the focus of my faith to get the credit. And if you, that is what you want, you're allowed to choose that. That's okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you want to yeah. do that, yeah. yeah. Um, but you have to get at most of the credit or at least some. Right. Right, exactly. Um, we have one more question. I think this is a little bit of a back to basics question, but it's never wrong to go back to that. And I, the thing I love about this question, it's an audio question, I'll play it now, is it will sound so familiar to so many people. And I love that this person shared their experience so clearly, and I think with some detail. So let's listen to the question and then we'll address it. I'm from Wales in the UK. I have been over anxious for decades, uh, struggled through working having children, one severely handicapped, divorce, etc., etc. I mention this because I don't feel I'm not courageous underneath, but I have allowed this severe anxiety to keep bringing me to my knees. I hate it, can't stand it, and it frightens me so much. I do always try to surrender and not react, but the sensations are so overpowering especially the death thought, that it seems to cancel out everything I'm trying to do. I know hating, loathing, etc., etc. is the wrong attitude, but when I'm trying to be normal and shaking from head to foot, legs buckling and feeling faint, I just can't seem to tell myself that this is okay. I hate myself for not cracking it. My question is, is there any way in which I can cope with this better? Thank you very much. So that is a, a back to basics question, but I so appreciate this person sharing this because mm. if there's 6,000 people listening this week, I guarantee that at least two of them are like, yes, it all goes mm. out the window when I'm triggered. I forget what I'm supposed to do. I can't do it. I hear surrender, but I can't do it. Good question. You know, surrender, willfully tolerate stuff. First thing I'd say here is go easy on yourself. Mm -hmm. And actually, you've already displayed courage, even just sharing that, yep. uh, you know, with, with us. I really appreciate that. Um, you look, for me, this sounds like a, a very Craig the Critic problem. And you're, and there's such a, it's become, anxiety's become such a huge thing, like a barrier you must overcome. Mm. When you said they're like, I hate it, you know. Whereas for me, it's like, I, 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 I sometimes you surrender, but if you surrender to it, you feel like you've lost. And I can feel like in your, in your voice, you're like, no, no. But here's the thing. This is why I love willful tolerance is that you've already done half of it. Mm. You've tolerated it. So you're halfway there. We work on the willful things. So, and that becomes something like, no, I, I don't hate you. I don't like you. I feel not like I'm going to try and feel very little towards you. Yeah. Um, I'd also as well get it. I'm in the UK. The, the mental health care here is, is uh, not great for a lot of things. It's great for certain things, but not great usually for this type of anxiety, uh, unless you're lucky. Mm -hmm. um, I would honestly, something kind, find uh, like a nice private therapist, who's affordable, who's anxiety disorder informed, but also to kind of maybe unpick some Craig the Critic stuff there. Because we all go through life and 
if this has become a thing that's like overshadowing your life, mm -hmm. it will become overwhelming. It'll be like, oh no, I must beat this. This is great. And I'm just sensing a tone of an undertone of self-criticism there. Yeah. I think you've got you've you've done half the work. You've tolerated it. We just switch it to willful. You know, I know it, I know it doesn't feel very nice. I know it's consuming, but you are in charge, you know, and don't try to aim for perfection. It's just a little bit at a time. It could be a targeting issue also. First of all, what you're saying is really right, because then there's fear. Then there's the fear of fear. That's the disordered state. And now there's the fear of fear is failure, which then drives, will trigger more. I can't yeah. let this happen. So boom, it's going to happen. And I think one of the things is, you know, I know hating it is not the right thing to do. I don't know. Give yourself a break. You're allowed to hate it. I freaking hated my anxiety. Still do. It's okay yeah, to hate it. Yeah, it is annoying. It is right. annoying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's super annoying. You're allowed to have emotions toward it, hate it, like resent it. Have all of those. That's not failure. And I think the other thing would be, but when I am, she said, when my legs are shaking and I'm having the death thought and, you know, my, and I'm shaking all over, I can't seem to tell myself that's the wrong target. You're right. In that situation, first of all, the fact that you're shaking is not the problem. So I think this person might be thinking that, oh, I'm so, I can't seem to surrender because I'm still shaking and terrified. No, the point is to get better at shaking and terrified, which sounds, I hate to tell people that, but that's true. And it lets yourself off the hook a little bit. So when you find mm -hmm. that you're like, well, I know I'm supposed to surrender. I'm not supposed to hate it. I'm supposed to like willfully welcome it. No, no, you can hate it. You can not like it. You can want it to go away. That's totally fine. But once you're triggered, it's like, okay, my job now is to get really good at feeling this way. That's a very different job. And you're doing it just that you think you're doing it wrong because you can't yes. make it go away or stop. You're not supposed to make it go away. You're supposed to make it run its course. So yes. notice that. Reconnect to that mission because that is a really a big Craig the Critic driver there. Oh, isn't if I accept it goes away, right? Oh, but I'm not doing it right. I can't crack it because it, I'm still shaking and afraid or having death thoughts. Yeah. You just got to mm -hmm. get better at having those thoughts. But that yeah. helps. So, yeah. Thanks for sending that in as well. And, yeah, and, that was great. And, and, and you're open and honesty about it. We really appreciate it. Yeah, very helpful. So, uh, And if you'd like to send in any listeners, you want to send in questions or did it anyways, mm. you can record it on disorder.fm. It's yep. really easy. We can drop us an email. We do read them. Sorry, we can't get back to all of them, um, but we do read them. We do really appreciate it. Yeah, I would add that if you send us one, this one was months old. So if you don't hear yeah. it right away, we're going through a lot of them. So you never know. Uh, we might answer your question, even though you asked it months and months ago. So yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, final note. Yep. Um, by the time this episode drops, uh, it's going to be very close uh, in the US mm -hmm. for this book. It's coming out in the US just slightly before the UK. And how does that make you feel? Go grab yourself a copy. Um, if you pre-order it before the release date, I will stand by my promise of answering your questions. If you have sent in your proof of purchase, I will get back to you. Yeah. You know, I've just had a few, so it takes time, but I will send you the answer to your question. And thank you for supporting me. 100%. If you want more info about Josh's book or see what order it, just go to disorder.fm slash 47, which is the show notes for this episode, and I'll make sure there's a link there. Can we have uh, the Inwards Compulsion music? To you go want out? The, yeah, we 100% can have that. I'm going to play it live. Let's just do it. I will remind you as you listen to the ridiculous Inward Compulsion 80s theme music as we head out of this episode, if you get a second, maybe write us a nice review or leave a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts because it really helps Disordered. It helps more people find the podcast. We get to help more people. And uh, yeah, thanks for all of your uh, support. Thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Enjoy the music. 